You ever have a situation where you have to audition for your own job? I've had this happen to me. I know a lot of friends who had it happen to them uh, in the IT profession, obviously. But here, uh, the woman who plays uh, Serena, which is Faith Sally, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, had to re-audition for the job because she didn't really talk all that much last time. Now, she did manage it, of course, which is good, because, duh. And she actually did a pretty good job of the role, actually. She has a wonderful... How do I phrase it? There's a really nice... Uh, simplicity? The way she was directed was to remove all subtext from her performance. That everything she was saying was exactly what she meant and exactly how she meant it. And that's actually harder to do than it sounds, since we as human beings are constantly communicating subtext. I mean, even when we're not acting, even when we're not lying, there are plenty of ways we can say something, and how we say it gets across a lot more than the words coming out of our mouths. So... <laughs> Zippa starts off, and it's like, ah, oh, Bashir is so lonely. I shouldn't mock. I know what it feels like to be all alone, but God's sakes, episode hammered it in a little hard there, right? And the best part is, the episode's only making this point clear that he's lonely in general. Not romantically lonely. Lonely in general. All the people he wanted to hang out with were friends. Didn't they make a point of being closer as friends? After uh, the sound of her voice, like, wasn't that kind of a big point of that episode? I guess they never followed through on that. It's okay, we've got other recurring things, like the return of the so-called Jack Pack. It was good to see them again, although I kind of wish they got a little bit more of a send-off, uh, if you're paying attention. Other than Serena, the rest, the last scene they get is just like, Oh, you've got to go see her, and that's it. You stay here. And that's like the chop-off point. There's no real conclusion to them, their characters, or their story, which kind of sucks, actually. I'm going to go ahead and admit something. Despite the fact that this episode has recurring elements, good guest stars, and a good performance by Alexander Siddig, I don't actually like this episode all this much. This is the first one in Season 7 I haven't liked. Uh, not too bad. We're at 1 out of 5 so far. I'll keep track of that as we go through. And I know what you're thinking. Lore, of course you don't like it. It's a romance of the week. And you've paid attention, and you know that I don't actually mind romance plots. I mind what I call uh, bad romance plots, which this is. I actually decided to keep track. In a 44-minute episode, the romance doesn't even jump in until the 28-minute and 29-second mark. That's how long it takes, and that's the first kiss. And then they have the briefest attempts at romance, and then, well, it falls apart. Now, I will admit I am more positively inclined towards this episode upon this viewing than I have previously. And I think what I just mentioned is part of why, because the romance is massively understated, far more so than I remembered. This is more about Serena and her life, and the way that interacts with Bashir is part of it, but the romance kind of isn't. I'll, I'll circle back around to that. So the mutants are back. It's a little silly how easily they were able to escape from a facility and then make their way to Deep Space Nine undetected. That's a stupid question. <laughs> I do admit that amuses me. And I was going to make all this big kerfuffle about how they couldn't possibly do that, especially during wartime, and then I remembered, oh yeah, Starfleet Security. Say no more. So they put them back in the cargo bay. Of course they do. And they kind of naturally and logically, without really 
bumping into bad exposition, they talk about what they're here for, to do this surgery on Serena. Now, this is interesting, because if you're paying attention, all of them have some kind of issue, uh, a mental issue, but hers is the easiest by far to solve. Basically, she's an ordinary person whose biggest flaw is that her mind is disconnected from the external. Her mind works fine underneath all that. She just has a really hard time seeing, hearing, thinking, uh, speaking, excuse me, not thinking, uh, and physically moving because her mind is going so much faster than the rest of her. I talked about that last time. But if that connection problem is solved, she's basically a Bashir. And this is part of the point Bashir himself makes. The rest of them, they don't have that. They have other issues that keep them into the neurotic category that, well, as I can't remember her name flat out says, they're too far gone. There's just nothing they can do for them. It's an interesting point because it's not like Bashir wouldn't want to if he could. And if I might be so bold, I'm actually a little surprised that the ludicrously advanced science that Star Trek has can't try and figure out some way to resolve this, because this is not just a case of someone being different. These people have actual mental psychoses. And that means that there is something off about their brains or something related to their nervous system. And that means that that something off could be resolved. That's important to keep in mind, because there's a difference between someone who literally has something wrong with their brain and someone who's just a little quirky. I mean, all of us are quirky to some extent, right? Except for you, Bob. You know who you are. So, they talk about how they're going to do this surgery. This ridiculously precise surgery. This is probably one of the only points of the episode that irritates me. Because what happens is the jackpack shows up unannounced and unrequested. And Bashir isn't ready for the surgery, but, you know, he, he says, okay, I'm going to go ahead with the surgery. So what we have is them showing up unannounced. We have... Bashir having to cover for them with Cisco. We have, you know, the, the oh, hey, let's go take care of her. We have O'Brien saying he can't change the laws of physics. All of this is, as weird as this is going to sound, in my opinion, unnecessary. You could have just had, from a writing, stepping back perspective, you could have had them be here because Bashir asked them to come here to help him set up the equipment he would need to do this incredibly precise procedure. This could have been premeditated rather than bumbled into. Because the way he talks about it, he's like, okay, we're going to take you off, we're going to do some tests, it's going to be completely fine. And at this point in time, he still hasn't actually figured out getting the equipment he's going to need to do the surgery. It's like sitting down to take a tire off a car, and you have no tools. You have a stick, and it's like, well, this won't work. Could you make me a real tool? Come on. <sighs> Sorry. I said I was more positively inclined, not less. I swear it's true, because we'll get into the good stuff in a minute. See, after that, they decide to go ahead and do the surgery. And, well, it's a complete failure and everything's wrong. Damn. Wait, is she up and walking? Was nobody watching her? That she could just get up and walk out into the promenade? Also, I really like the way Faith Sally says her lines for <laughs> for pretty much the entire episode. Excuse me one moment. Because you can tell this is per a person who is legitimately uncertain about how to speak properly. And she doesn't just come across as uncertain, but, like, the tones are wrong. Everything. Everything. Like, she says it actively wrong, but in a way that makes perfect sense, because she's still trying to understand that. 
She's still trying to understand tone in general. She barely understands her own emotions at this point in time. Because she's still starting to process all this for the first time. It's not like she never had emotions before, but they were all internal. And she was watching through a view screen of the rest of the world. Right? So she... Uh, this is going to sound strange, but she has a little bit of droid effect going on here. The very, very beginnings of it. Uh, don't mistake me, I'm not trying to say that she's not sentient and sapient before the surgery. What I'm trying to say is that she has had so little external stimuli that she hasn't developed properly. That she is, in many ways, simultaneously younger and older than she looks. Mentally older, emotionally younger. And so there's a lot she needs to process. This is part of the core point of the episode. Bashir, who is an adult, who has matured and grown and has had years and years and years to understand who and what he is and how to feel and how to think, has had all three points of droid effect. He looks at this situation, and he knows exactly how he feels. She looks at it and goes, I don't know. Like, he asks her flat out, do you love me? And she says, I, I don't know. I don't know what that feels like. She has no frame of reference because she hasn't had the proper external stimuli to be able to bounce ideas off of in order to collate and develop into a new, more complex situation. Right? It's very understandable. So, I once again want to praise the actress. And this is part of what, what buoys the episode up for me. Her performance as someone who is a fish out of water everywhere for both her old people and her new people is a very nice touch. But what I also find interesting about that is, so she goes back to the old pack and doesn't fit in there at all. Like, she actually starts to get involved in the conversation, and they just shut her down. Because, remember, she doesn't have anything wrong with her at this point. You know, there's no more, there's no neurosis, there's no psychosis, there's nothing there. She's just emotionally undeveloped, that's all. And, I mean, that's it's just being young at that point. <laughs> so, she doesn't fit in with the other three. And she's confused and uncertain, so she just goes and does what she knows. She sits in a corner and is quiet and doesn't move. It's not until Bashir shows up, she's like, hey. Now, then she goes to visit with, let's see, it's O'Brien, O'Brien, Kira, Odo, and Esri, I think, are all the ones that she interacts with substantially. And as she does so, she feels a lot more comfortable around the normal people. And of course she does, because, well... I've already said this 17 times, because there's nothing wrong with her. So, I love how she gels in nicely and enjoys the company of her of his friends. I like how she psychoanalyzes each of them fairly well, fairly quickly. In fact, I love the bit where uh, Kira's like, God, I wish Odo would express his feelings. And she's like, but he is. He's right now. He's got his hand on yours. And Odo's response is, he sounds so vindicated. Thank you. Someone noticed he's showing his feelings for it. It's a nice little touch there. And, of course, I love his line about Ezra, which I wrote down somewhere. There it is. When she realizes she's more than the sum of her parts, she's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, she displays her intellect many times. She is, in fact, I've actually theorized before that she's the smartest of the group, smarter than Bashir, who is probably the smartest of the group we've seen up to date. And given her overall presentation, I, I could believe that. It's just, well, again, youth, lack of emotional growth. I do wonder what it feels like. Can you picture that for a second? Picture being able to take in and process and move and interact with and talk for the first time uh, ever. I'm not even sure I have the capacity to imagine what that feels like. 
the wonderment of it is something that's it's hard for me to process being the jaded cynical person that i am <laughs> and not evil but um yeah there's this nice bit where they go to do a little musical bit now i admittedly fast forwarded through a little of this i'm sorry i'm sorry it's a nice bit they sing well most of them sing well uh, jack's character jack's actor excuse me is actually tone deaf which is funny cuz one of the other actresses says you're tone deaf jack and they had to dub over his singing but otherwise all of the rest of them are actually sang their own lines which is pretty impressive uh, there's this bit where Bashir goes to reach out to Bashir goes to his quarters and she's in there and she apparently brute forced her way into his quarters i mean he only had a six digit password after all you need a passphrase by this point in time come on and what I love is that she doesn't want to go to sleep because she's afraid she might revert. And she starts a panic attack. Now, what I like about this is he cuts her off immediately. No hesitation. Doesn't even let her start to get herself worked up. Nope. It's not going to happen. You're fine. You're going to be fine. If anything, you're just going to continue to get better from this point on. It's all right. And he cares about her demonstrably and noticeably as a patient and as a person first. Now, that's important. Because if this had been a romance thing from the beginning, I think I would be a lot more against this episode. But it is very clear that this is Bashir caring about his patient and her as a person, not as an object of desire or as someone that he wants to be with. That comes in later. So, he, you know, tries to take care of her. Um, she doesn't really fit in. I already mentioned that. She does fit in with the others. I mentioned that. 28 minutes, 29 seconds in, they kiss. I love how O'Brien manages to so accurately point out that what Bashir's doing is stupid and I don't I don't want to say wrong that's that's not the right word incorrect. Bashir is making the incorrect call here because what Bashir is doing is kind of stupid. It's like she's she's your patient, she's your friend, she's undeveloped, you're moving too fast. Uh, yeah, you're doing everything wrong here, Bashir. And this is one of the reasons I'm willing to forgive the episode, because the episode makes it clear this isn't really a romance of the week in the strictest sense of the word. She is brand new to this kind of thing, and has just been rescued from her previous state by a young, attractive, ambitious, intelligent individual. Right? I mean, you can kind of see how that would work. And, in, to, to switch this around, he finally sees someone that can match him and be with him and at the same time be a human so he doesn't have to be lonely anymore, but he can interact with someone on a normal basis and can keep up with him so he doesn't have to hide who and what he is. He has found what he believes to be an equal, and so he naturally is attracted to her. The problem, well, I, I say the problem, but the, the point in which the episode actually succeeds is that both of these people are incorrect. But neither of them should get involved with the other for every reason that's obvious. And that's why O'Brien is the one to notice it. Because I mentioned emotional maturity earlier. O'Brien has more emotional maturity than both of them. Uh, probably combined, if we're being honest. It's not an insult, it's just a statement of fact. So of course he can see this coming a mile away. And so she shuts down. She completely shuts down. Of course she does. She reverts because this is what she knows. This is one of the key parts of the episode. The fact that she re her reverting should have probably given it away pretty much immediately. You know, she reverts and, and in so doing hides away from the 
intangible complexities of a life that she's never had to experience before. When Bashir reaches out to her, notice he still does so as an attempt, as, as someone who is wanting to be her lover. And when he says that, while it does reach her, he is damned lucky that it reached her at all, because it probably shouldn't have, if we're being honest. The only reason it does is because he asks her a direct question, and her response is, I don't know, as I've already covered. It was nice to see that she gets to go on and live a normal life, and I would have liked it if there was some kind of, you know, we're going to keep working on the others kind of a thing going forward. I mean, you know that old saying, there's nothing wrong with you? Well, sometimes there is something wrong with us, and that's something that needs to be acknowledged so that we can work on it, fix it, or work around it, so we can manage and control it, right? At least that's my opinion. Now, the hard part is figuring out when that is, but at least in Star Trek they have literal scanning tools to figure out this kind of stuff, so that's helpful. But my point is, it would have been nice if there was a sort of, I would like to keep working on the three of them. Maybe you could help me, Serena, because you're smarter than I am in several ways, and that would have been a nice way to end it rather than the kiss, in my opinion. Oh yeah, final irritation here. Given what's going to happen in the second to last episode, I believe... This also kind of rubs me the wrong way, but again, I get it, I get it. The point is, the romance was incorrect from the beginning. So it's not really a romance of the week so much as a mistake of the week. That's a new phrase. Maybe we can start using that. Either way, a better episode than I remembered. Still, still don't quite care for it. We'll see what I think of the next one next time. <laughs>